Welcome! This is the CGMI Living Springs Gospel Podcast. Stay tuned as you listen to the Word of God. And I tell people that corporate worship or corporate prayer can only flow from your personal prayer altar. Hallelujah. If we declare 40 days fasting in this church, or would you never declare 40 days fasting? At least not yet. And you are fasting in that 40 days fasting and prayer. You fast diligently. And you cannot fast on your, by your own, on your own, in your own house. Nobody called it. Only you just wake up and say, I want to fast one day. It's <laughs> 6 to 6. People can fast 6 to 6. We are not doing you any service by making you fast 40 days. Some people don't like it, but it is what it is. We are not helping you. Some people think we are helping you, right? That the only time you will fast is when there's a call for a corporate fast or a corporate prayer. We are not helping you. So that's the reason why we are teaching this topic today. Some people did not like what was taught last Sunday, but last Sunday, Reverend taught the fundamental thing. And if we get, the truth is this, if you understand the principles, the basic principles from the word of God, it becomes easier for you to do. My mom always says that you cannot beat a child for something you do not teach the child. Right? If you do not teach your child to sweep, and your child is not sweeping, is now not sweeping, and you are flogging the child, say, why can you not sweep? Why can you not sweep? You are a wicked person. Because you cannot assume that it's in school or somebody else will teach your child how to sweep. So the reason why a lot of people don't fast, people don't pray, or some people don't have people don't have personal prayer altars in the modern church, in the contemporary church, is because the basic idea, the foundation on what of what prayer and fasting is supposed to be, is wrong. Hallelujah. Some people only fast and pray when there's problem. Some people only fast and pray when there's what? problem. But the, the fasting and prayer is not supposed to be a problem-solving a problem solving tool. It's not supposed to be a weapon that is deployed by the Christian only when there is what? Problem. Fasting and prayer is the daily life of a Christian. What did I say it is? The daily life of a Christian. So last Sunday, Reverend was teaching Reverend said that fasting and prayer is not a tool to force the hand of God to do something. Fasting and prayer is not a tool to force the hand of God to do something that is not in His will. Rather, fasting and prayer is a tool to align yourself with the will of God. Because your fast and your prayer, you rolling on the ground, does not change God. And show up from scripture that your fasting and prayer does not change the mind of God concerning his will. What he wants to do, he will do it. He does not respect your fasting. If you just fasted, you just want to change his mind on something. Hunger, you just went on a hunger strike. You're just wicked to yourself. Better carry better food. Uh, eat. Eat and belly food. <laughs> and align yourself with this will. So today, 
we are trying to answer one question. If we have said that fasting and prayer does not change God's mind, people are not happy. If fasting and prayer does not change God's mind, then why do we need to pray? If God already has already made up his mind on what he wants to do, so why do you now need to do what? To pray. That is the question that this message, this short message, seeks to answer. And to start it, I'm going to use one scripture that a lot of people base their teaching of God changing his mind on because of fasting and prayer to start. I want to break the table. Second Kings 20. That story talks about the extension of the life of the King Hezekiah. It, say, it says, Second Kings 20, please, can you open it for me? And I've discovered that that scripture, as always looking at me and he's laughing, has been read the wrong way. Do you know God broke a table in my, in my life when I was preparing for this sermon? He scattered the table. I was not happy. And I'll get to that table also. Second Kings 20. And in those days, King Hezekiah was sick and near death. Right? When we are teaching about biblical interpretation, the first principle of biblical interpretation is that you must read your Bible words literally. What is not there, don't add it by your assumption. People have been adding things to this scripture and based their full ministry on it. In those days, King Hezekiah was what? Sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. If you interpret that scripture, that verse literally, God was not saying I've made up your mind that you will die. Right? It was a consequence of his what? Sickness. So God saw that he was sick and knew that that sickness was a sickness that could kill him. So he went to tell him, because Hezekiah was sick. If you read the story of Hezekiah, Hezekiah has done so many things for the Lord. He was a king that loved the Lord. And you know, when you are feeling cool, you think you have time. So he was now sick. So God now said to the prayer, this sickness will kill you prophecy. Right? <laughs> say, ah, this sickness, you will die. You. This sickness can kill you. The Bible did not say that God had already told Hezekiah that your time is what? Up. It was not God. It was sickness. Are we together? So God, because he saw the sickness, ah, this thing will kill you. So he was telling him what was going to happen. And in verse 2, let's read it. And he turned his face and his wall and he prayed to the Lord, saying, so he was sick. He now said, ah, this sickness will kill me. Now pray to the Lord to heal him. Remember, oh Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth. So he was not saying, ah, God, are they sick? This sickness, you don't say this sickness will kill me. Remember what I have done, no? Do you understand? I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart, and I have done what is good in your sight. And he wept. Verse 3. And it happened before Isaiah even left his outer court into the middle court. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will do what? 
I will heal you. God did not give him the sickness. God did not make up his mind that Hezekiah was going to die. Hezekiah was sick and the sickness was going to kill him and God said he was going to do what? Heal him. It was not God that made up his mind that it was Hezekiah time don't reach. So he said, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up into the house of the Lord. Verse 4. Return and, t- and I will add to your days 15 years. And if you, let, me, let me explain to you something that's interesting. If you read the next verse or the next chapter, you will discover that Ezekiel did fulfill the length of his days. But when he died, his son Manasseh took over. And Manasseh was 12 years old when he ascended the throne. Right? Okay, let me tell you the full story properly. So, when in these 15 years that God now added to his cast life, the king of Babylon now saw, ah, Hezekiah was doing well. Now, he said, let me come and see, because he heard Hezekiah was sick. So, by the time they got there, Hezekiah was well. And Hezekiah, in his pride, and he was feeling cool, he showed the king of Babylon and his envoys around the whole city, around the temple, around his palace. And God now asked him, what do you show? King of Babylon. He said, I show him everything. No? Ah, God now said, okay. No problem. At the end of 15 years, he died. His son was 12 years old when he ascended the throne. It means that his son was born. And God, okay, sorry. God now said that, ah, for you, because you showed all these Babylon people, all the things in my house, your descendants will be taken away to Babylon in captivity. So immediately he died. His son was 12 years old. That means his son was born within the 15 years of the extension of his life. God set a process in the land of Israel that took a couple of years that sent them to captivity. The Bible says that Manasseh did so much evil in the sight of the Lord. For two more kings, Manasseh and his son did so much evil that he had to take Josiah, Manasseh's grandson, come and risk. He did so much evil that the people of Israel forgot how to worship God. And Josiah, mistake, they now found the, when Josiah <laughs> returned people back to God, they don't forget how to worship God. Josiah now found the book of the law in the temple. Is that book they now used to realign themselves because the generation had passed and they don't know God. So, do you know why God told Ezekiah that <laughs> he healed him? He healed him because they must go Babylon. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's why I came to tell him. God would have as well just allowed his sickness to kill him. So it was not because Hezekiah fasted and prayed. Right? Are you seeing it? It's not because he's fasting and prayer, but a plan of God was already in place. Are we together? God already said they were going to captivity. Since they never go, his kingdom had only divided. A plan of God was in place. So if this guy had died, maybe he wouldn't have had a son that would have done evil in sight of the Lord. Some people don't like me. I'm overdoing it. Do you understand? Do you understand? Because God cannot now say something. You understand? He, he already knew they must go to, whether they like it or not, the children of Israel and Judah must go to, but if not, Daniel, no good day. Are we together? 
okay, message of today. So when you are teaching that scripture, understand it and to and you cannot cry in God's mind. His will must be done either way. Our key scripture for this teaching is Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. It's a long one. It's 14 verses, but it's very long. But I'll just read select verses from it. Not yet, though. But what is prayer? If God is almighty, why do we need to pray? So we, we must understand the concept of prayer. If you check the dictionary, they say the, from dictionary says it is the is the act of making a request to God. But some other definitions, as we know from the Bible, is that prayer is a conversation. It's a what? Conversation. What's a conversation? A conversation, whether verbal or non-verbal, that I talk to you and you answer me, right? I talk to you, I give you a signal, and you understand. Is that right? You understand, and you do what I say, or I do what you say. It's a conversation, it's communication. And in relationships, we tell people that the first thing you do when you are dating is to do what? Communicate. In marriages, you must communicate. Communication is, the, is, is, is what fuels intimacy among people. So prayer is a communication with God. You talk, he answers. He gives you sign, you understand. You give him sign, he understands. That's what fuels the intimacy between you and God. And in the place of prayer, in the place of intimacy, you start to understand the person. How many of us are married here? The more you talk to, the way you know your spouse now, is it the way you knew him when, or her, when you married? What has happened? Plenty water has gone under the bridge, my brother. Some of you, some of you men, you have changed. <laughs> they have accused you of changing. <laughs> Praise God. Some of you women, you have changed. Why are you changing? You are changing in the place of intimacy, in the place of... And you are not changing for... Some of you are not changing for bad. Some of the bad character you are exhibiting has been brought out by your wife or your husband. It's in the place of communication. is rubbing, rubbing, rubbing together. Some of you, you spend so much time with somebody that you start to talk like the person. Are we together? You start to pick up slang. You start to pick up stuff from the person. So prayer is communication with God. So any prayer, quote me anywhere, any prayer life that is one-sided is not a prayer life. The only way you, pr- you pray and you don't know the mind of God or not speak back to you, you are not praying. If you've been receiving answers before, it's because God did for you. Any prayer that only consists of a want list, God, can you do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, is not a prayer life. Because God is not an ATM machine or one dollar store or a free salvation army where you just go every time to go and pick something. Are we together? So what is the reason for prayer if God already knows what we want to do? We have to understand how man was before the fall. Do you know that there's no record of Adam and Eve praying before the fall? Have you thought about it? Show me the place in your scripture where they say, And Adam prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered with voice and thunder. In old day. Why in old day? It's not there because 
Adam and Eve dwelt in the physical presence of God in Eden. And the Bible records, and this is another table that God broke in my mind yesterday. You know, genuinely, no loud down. I used to think that there's a part in the scripture where they said that every evening God came to the garden and talked with Adam. How many of you, how many of us think like that? In the cool of the evening, God came to talk with Adam. You know, they like that literally for Bible. We've interpreted it. What it says is that on the, when they fell, God came down in the evening and was walking through the garden. Before then, there was no record of God coming down in the evening to walk through the garden. So what theologians have inferred was that because of Genesis 3 verse 8, God came down. The word used there of walking in the cool of the evening meant something of a relationship. It was similar to what is used in Genesis 5 about Enoch. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. So they are now, that's how we inferred that Adam and Eve had that such a relationship with God that God came down and always talked to them. So he came down and talked and was wanted to talk to them. And you will discover that even when God came down and they had sinned, there was still a conversation between them. Was there not a conversation? Like they had been doing before they even sinned. Say, Adam, where you be? God talk. Adam answer. Adam, what did Adam say? I they hide. God did not say, I know you have sinned. God say, why you they hide? Did God not know he had sinned? Why you they hide? Adam now say, ah, the woman where you give me, don't give me apple chop. Praise Jesus. There was a conversation. Do you know that was prayer? Talk and answer. Talk and answer. So it was post fall. If you discover people who worked with God so much, they hardly ever said they shout, knelt down and they shouted and prayed. In, when God was talking about Enoch, he said Enoch was so close to God. He had enjoyed such fellowship with God. Him and God, they gist. So they got the gist to the extent that God said, ah, I'm missing this guy too much. This guy cannot die. Just come and join me in heaven. He's there in Genesis 5. And Enoch walked with God and he was not. He did not say he died. My time is up. And he was not for God took him. And I'm still introduction. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. So to prove to you that you must answer. Habakkuk the prophet, if you read the book of Habakkuk, from verse 1, I'm going to run fast now. So everybody be following me, compare to, compare like bullion van. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. There was a conversation between the prophet and God. And in verse 2, he says, I will stand on my watch and set myself on the tower. 2 verse 1. And 2 verse 1 now. I will stand on my watch and set myself on the rampart as the tower and watch to see what he will do what? Say to me. And I will continue and I will answer when I am what? Correct. It means that Habakkuk was ready to know, to know that from, from his conversation in chapter 1 that something, what in God's good talk if you know like that. But there was a conversation that is prayer. So, why am I saying this? I'm saying this is that why do we need to pray? We need to pray because it is prayer that fuels the intimacy between us and God. It is in prayer that we know the mind of God. 
If you know the mind of God, you will not pray amiss. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Mr. Kadiri, if your wife knows what you want to do, your plans and everything, and so and, I, and me now, just imagine that me, I'm Jeff Bezos, and I'll say, ah, Mr. Kadiri, you're looking so good today, I like this, your clothes, and I tell you one million dollars, and you give it to your wife, will she go and use it to do what you don't want? She won't. Why won't she do that? She won't do that because she knows his mind. In the place of intimacy, she knows his plans. Are we together? She will not just go and buy human here, one million naira. Because she has one million dollars, after all, not tight. You don't even reach tight of the money. Do you understand? She's going to apply that money appropriately. Prayer is for intimacy. Prayer is not just, there is, I'm, not, not, I'm not saying that when you pray to God and have a need and pray to God, God will not answer. That's not what I'm saying. Are we together? But the truth is this, the, that's not the reason for prayer. The fact that you do it like that and you get answers does not mean you are applying it correctly. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? If I buy, a, you say you like speed, I buy a Ferrari for you. And every day, it's only 20, you are driving 40, you are just driving like a budget on the road. You are driving the car. You are enjoying it. Maybe you think maybe it's because of the AC, they bought the car for you. But the reason they bought that car for you is so that you go tear speed. If that was built for speed. The fact that you are praying in the way you are praying, and that's why sometimes you don't receive answers. Prayer is for intimacy. Prayer is for fellowship. Prayer is for a conversation. And let me tell you something that's interesting about God. I will read it straight from scriptures. And we've explained the scripture before. The book, the Psalms 34 verse 7. Delight in the Lord and it shall give you the desires of your heart. We've taught here that what that scripture means is not that God will give you everything that you want. Can you put that scripture up? Delight in the Lord and it shall give you the desires of your heart. So what we, are, we have taught that scripture to be in the past is that the Lord will give you waiting you just wake up, say you want, right? But that's not what it means. If you read it, if you understand simple English, present, past, and participle, it means that God will give your heart what to want. God will give you the desires. God will give your heart what to desire. Are we together? God will give you the desire. So the, desires is, the desire is the noun. God will give you your heart what to desire. Why will God give your heart what to desire? So that your heart and his heart can be in alignment. If God gives you what to desire, right? Anytime you pray that your desire, don't you know that is God's desire? And by two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. So when you pray the desire of God, that's why when Jesus was teaching them to pray, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we together? So when God was teaching disciples to pray, he said, when you want to pray, pray like this, a guideline. Our Father, who art in heaven, he did not say, oh Lord, Father, Lord. Because Lord envisages a master and servant relationship. He said, our Father. There's a relation, that's a familial connection. Our Father, who art in heaven, if I says you talk to him like Jesus, tell him sweet things. Hallow be your name. Thy kingdom come. Wow, that thing you want, let it be done. Before you now say, give us this day 
In the way when they pray, when they say our Father, you enter straight into speaking in tongues and fasting and prayers. They give us the day daily bread. Hallelujah. We need to pray. The reason why we pray is not to get things from God. Will he give us things in the place of prayer? Yes. But that is not the reason why we do it. We pray to get an, on a deeper understanding of God. Paul was writing about the love of God. He said, who can understand the breadth, the height, the depth, the width of the love of God? It's so, God is so deep that you can never get to the end. Hallelujah. Some people don't like me now. And the people have program coordination. I've shot my time. Okay, five things prayer does for us. Five things you get in prayer. I want to write it like this so that you get the, the, the vibe. Five things prayer does for you. Number one, I've said it, it changes us and brings us into an awareness of God's will. The first thing you do in the place of prayer is that you know you have an awareness of God's will. Romans 8 verse 26 and 27. Most immediately, please preach with me. Romans 8 verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmity, our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray, what we should pray as we ought. Right? So sometimes you think you think it's correct thing to pray, it's the wrong thing to pray. We don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercessions with the saints for the saints. According to what? The will of God. In John 16, verse 3, God was talking, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit before he went away. And he said that the Holy Spirit will teach us, will bring us into our truth. So it means that the Spirit understands the will of God. And he brings that, he communicates that to our understanding. And brings us into an awareness of the will of God. The first thing prayer does for you is to bring you into an awareness of the will of God. So you don't pray amiss. Number two thing the prayer does for you, it brings you into alignment with the will of God. The fact that you know something does not mean you are going to do it. Hmm? The fact that you know, Uncle Lucky, the fact that you know that God is telling you to fast and pray, fast and pray, doesn't mean you fast and pray. It doesn't mean, I say, ah, that's the day Auntie Jess will cook the sweetest soup. Yeah, bless you, at 12 o'clock we go fast rich today. At the end of the day, 10 o'clock, it's already test soup. Hallelujah. Prayer brings you into a place where your flesh is subdued so that your body and your spirit and your mind can align with the will of God. Prayer brings us into alignment with the will of God. Prayer brings us into, write it down, alignment with the will of God. The spirit makes us malleable. He molds us into the will and the character of God in the place of prayer. You might not like it. Your flesh may not like it, but you will do it because you understand that it's God's will. I've talked about Psalm 37, verse 4, right? Delight yourself in the Lord and give us the desires of your heart. You can also read Mark 11, verse 24. Number three, prayer releases dimensions of power for the enforcement of God's will. So because you're, you already know God's will, the power to carry it out it's not that you don't have that power already. You are brought into an awareness of that power. 
Are we together? Are we together? Are we together? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is in you now already, right? But the truth is this. Some of you don't know what you are capable of. But prayer brings you, ah, power, this pastor, pray everywhere, scatter. Now, prayer now, don't pray. It's not by power or by might. It releases power. So you, you start to know the capacity of your engine. You start to know your spiritual capacity. And you can function appropriately in that manner. I'll read one or two scriptures for that. Acts 4 verse 31. In the book of Acts 4 verse 31, I, I, if Acts 4, what happened was that Peter and John were thrown in prison. And they were beaten and they said, oh, they should, they should not preach again. But when they now released them, the church now prayed. Can we read verse 31? Acts 4 verse 31. And when they had prayed, what did they say happened? The place where they were assembled together was, because that beating normally is supposed to make them not talk again. Supposed to scare the other disciples. The place where they were was what? Shaking. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word with what? Hold. It releases power for God wanted the word to spread. Right? But the boldness to spread the word was only activated in the place of prayer. The Holy Spirit was there. Are we together? So prayer moves you into that place where because we are talk- you know you see some men of God just come and just talk. You say I we just talk and nobody's not. He's not just talking because he feels like talking. He knows God's will. He's saying God's will. So he knows that plus or minus. Do you understand? The responsibility to enforce God's will is God's is God's is just go and talk. The responsibility for the enforcement of God's will is God's. Are we together? The, what he just does is that it releases the power for you to go and declare it. So you don't have to be afraid to say it so that the thing will happen. You'll be bold enough to say it. Acts 16 verse 16 to 14. Paul and Silas. You, you know that story is very interesting. You know after Paul and Silas prayed and there was an earthquake, they did not run away. Hope you don't, don't know you think they now released all the prisoners, they now ran away. When they held them in prison, they prayed and sang, and there was an earthquake, and they were released, and they evangelized to the jailer. Do you know they did not leave the prison? Do you know? Some of you think they ran away. They did not run away. They sat back in the prison. Their chains were broken, but they sat down in the prison. The next morning, Mike now came to tell them to go, because Mike said that released them. <laughs> That's madness. Madness. But it is madness that is God's will. Because that jailer had to be evangelized to. It's sat down there now. You're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of prison. Yeah. If some of you say, My deliverance has come, Jesus to Agbanilak Bato, deliverer. Jaffa. Prayer unlocks a level of joy and confidence in us. What did I say it does? If you are depressed, pray. You are heartbroken, pray. You are sad, pray. I will show you from scripture. Some people say, why they pray? Eh, eh, I want to see a therapist first. Before you want to see your therapist, pray. 
Before you go for marriage counseling, pray. You are not happy with your husband. You are not happy with your wife's husband. Pray. You are not happy in your relationship. Pray. Maybe you are not supposed to be there at all. Pray. John 16 verse 24. Please show it to me on the screen. John 16 verse 24. John 16 verse 24. John 16 verse 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your words. Read it confidently now. This is Jesus talking to it's not Paul or any other person. Jesus himself. He said, Ask. That your joy may be happy. Ask. That your joy may be complete. And when you receive answers, there's a confidence you have to always pray. Do you understand? Jesus, in the grave of Lazarus, he said, he had the confidence. That's 100%. Turned, imagine we go to cemetery. I just say, Lord, I thank you because I know that you hear me always. <laughs> it means that Jesus did not have one unanswered prayer in his whole life and ministry. On 10 over 10, it's not if he be, you know, if he be. Because he was in the will of God. The only time Jesus prays scatter, only him and himself, in the, in the book, in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, started to pray, he was praying, his body, his sweat was like blood. Lord, let this cup pass over me. Have you prayed that your sweat is like blood? Who will me know that it's error? Who will Jesus himself say, this is prayer and an error? When he pray, 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 he don't sweat blood. That was the human side of him. And I remember that. And I said, that I will be done. I want to go and collect him. Let me just go and collect him. And the death on the cross. What am I even talking about? Some of you are pray, 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 pray. Your sweat is not like blood. You say, this God knows the answer. You are praying wrong. You are praying rubbish. I know some people are very sensitive in this church. When I talk like this, they say, eh, Pastor, I'm nice insulting people. You are praying rubbish, my brother and my sister. You don't want anybody to tell you the truth. Emotionally weak generation. You are praying rubbish. This is what it is. You are praying for God to, to solve your marriage problem. He told you when you started going that you should not go. You don't go. He said, God, God, answer me, answer me. He, you are praying rubbish. <laughs> you are praying rubbish. The fifth thing prayer does for you. Prayer builds us up spiritually and psychologically. I was watching a documentary. I want to talk about the psychological part. I think it was the story of God or something like that on National Geo with Morgan Freeman. And they said, they did a, chemi- a study and they said that the people are praying, 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 praying. What does it pray I won't do for them? So they put their people that pray in, 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 in an MRI and they did like a CT scan. And they discovered that real life story can go and check it out. That all the people that prayed, not just Christians, they're talking about everybody, people that believe in the higher power, when they prayed, certain parts of their brains that make them happy and confident, said, 
being activated. Certain chemicals were there. So I'm not even talking about spiritual affairs. I'm saying physiological, psychologically, prayer helps you. Then spiritually, it builds you up. Paul was saying, build up. He will build prison and unknown tongue, edifies himself. What it means to edify yourself means to edify comes from the word edifice. Edifice is like building. It means you are building up yourself. You are building spiritual capacity. He prays in an unknown tongue, edifies himself. The reason for prayer is this is what it does for us. When you stay in the presence of God, right? All these things happen to you. This is why you need to pray. You need to pray because it's as God intended in the beginning. So let's read our team scripture. Isaiah 58. I need to end with it. Isaiah 58. We read only select parts. They prayed mumu prayer and remove fast in Isaiah 58 and God was not happy with them. So he now told, he now told Isaiah the kind of fast he wanted from them. Isaiah 58. Sorry everybody, this is the last, but this is the conclusion. We are not reading everything in multimedia. I sent you the ones we want to read. Isaiah 58. How many of us are there? If you are there, say I am there. Because I am not there yet. That's what I'm telling you. If you are there, say I am there. If you are not there, say wait for me. Isaiah 58 from verse 1. It says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, like some people that are not getting answers that we know now, and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching the Lord. They say, why are we fasted? So they, they, are not, they are not getting answers to their fast and prayer. So they are asking, why are we fasted? God, why have we prayed? But in verse 6, he says, Jesus was saying, or God was saying, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him. And not hide yourself from your own flesh. The things that are here, when I read it again, I discovered that if you are not in the place of alignment with God, my brother, you know, go do one. I'm just telling you. Let us, are, are we, can we be real in church? The things that God says is the fast required. It's not just for you to just go out on the road and go and be carrying people because you are a philanthropist. No. He's saying these things are only achievable when you understand his mind. That's when you can bring yourself to be able to do these things that he said there. How many of you can just go on the road and carry poor people and bring it to your When, in my language, they say, personally, they take care of, no, they take care of dog. You with a struggle. <laughs> Me with a struggle. We are trying to, I try to arrange school fees more. They try to buy these days. I try to buy papas and baby food. They are telling me I should go and carry somebody. I've never carried someone from, from church, talking of street. <laughs> well, so for me to do it, it means that God, I really know that God really wants me to do this thing. Are we together? I'll carry the poor. Am I rich? Forget this suit. <laughs> Forget suit, forget suit and BM. 
in a day. It is the grace of the Lord. <laughs> you see, Pastor Pepper, I see, I see, Pastor Pepper has money. He day, in a day. The things that he wants to do in his mind and the money he has, you know, they match. He, 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 he balances it. If, if you are here and you know that your balance sheet always balance, raise up your hand. You want to lie, say the Lord is a great provider. You know the balance. But it does not stop us from doing what God wants us to do. Are we together? When you stay with God and, you know, because you know that if it is God's will, God brings the provision for it. Do you understand? I know how many times people in this church have given money and they don't have food in their house. They have given something, give to education support, give to something, give to part in a day. You understand what I'm trying to say? But when you are in alignment with God's will, right, it becomes easy to do because you know that God is your source. That can only be better in the place of prayer. Verse 12. It says, when you do this, when you spend time with God, when you fast, the fast requires, it says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the bridge, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Verse 14. I like verse 14 very well. It says, then you shall do what? Delight yourself. Remember that scripture in Psalm 37 verse 4? Delight yourself in the Lord and it shall give you the light of your heart. You see David saying it here again. Then you shall do what? Delight yourself in the Lord. And what did he say will do to you? on the high hills of the earth and to feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. My brother, my sister, the reason why you pray is to be intimate with God, to have an understanding of God's will, to have an awareness of God's will, to bring you in alignment with God's will, to release power, to release joy, hallelujah, to build you up spiritually and psychologically. There are plenty of things prayers does for you. But with these few points of mind, I'm sure I'm able to convince you that the right way to pray is to pray to know God's will. Hallelujah. Can we stand up and pray? Some of us, the reason why we don't pray is because we're not assured Thank you for listening to the CGMI Living Springs Gospel Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at CGMI underscore L Springs.